Find, please, in your copy of Scripture, the book of Hebrews, near the end of the New Testament, Hebrews 13, and we're going to read the first two verses. I also ask that you keep that prayer that we just prayed handy. Keep your uh, worship guide, your bulletin open there, because we're going to refer back to it. And while you're finding all that, I I want to invite you to meet FBC. If you're new, maybe you've come forward and uh, to express your desire to be a part of our church, but you haven't yet completed what we call the new members class or meet FBC. It's a time of orientation. Or maybe you're just considering what it might mean to be a member of our church. We're doing something a little special, something we've not done before. So from 4.30 to 6.30 today in room 118, the best way to enter is from the the St. Clair Avenue side, room 118. We've got dinner. Even if you're not signed up, we've ordered enough uh, for all of you. So, well, no, we haven't ordered enough for all of you, but we've we've ordered enough for you if you have not come and you want to come. So we're going to have dinner together, two hours Uh, our orientation class, Meet FBC, 4.30 to 6.30. And before we we read from Hebrews 13, I want to tell you a story. If you're from Huntsville or if you've been around for a long time, you know the Russell Erskine Hotel. The Russell Erskine Hotel now houses um, apartments, but back in the day, in the heyday of the Russell Erskine, it was a, a luxurious uh, hotel. It's over on Clinton Avenue, downtown Huntsville. In, in its heyday, Clint, the, the Russell Erskine is where uh, VIPs stayed. It, the Russell Erskine was where grand Huntsville social events were held. Well, there's a book about Huntsville titled uh, The Way It Was. It's a history of Huntsville. And it says that back in the day, in the heyday of the Russell Erskine, it was June 1941. Colonel Charles E. Laux of the U.S. Army, he was a chemical weapons specialist. Colonel Laux and his assistant had been traveling, looking for a spot to place a second chemical weapons manufacturing plant. Colonel Laux was the uh, commander of one such plant up in Maryland, but uh, we needed a second. So they'd been traveling for weeks. They arrived in Huntsville, went to the Russell Erskine Hotel, uh, tired. Colonel Laux uh, got cleaned up and came down to the restaurant and ordered a cup of coffee. Well, when the waiter came with the coffee, he reached for his wallet and was so embarrassed he didn't have it. I guess you couldn't charge it to the room in those days. Anyway, he he was embarrassed because he didn't have any money, and he apologized to the waiter and promised, "I, I will go back to my room, and I'll bring the money back to pay. And the waiter said, don't worry about it. Just enjoy your coffee, which was a nice thing. But... A few minutes later, that waiter came back, this time with a slice of apple pie, and said to Colonel Laux, I thought this would go well with your coffee. That was radical hospitality. And Colonel Laux, the story goes, was so impressed with Huntsville hospitality that he went back to Washington, D.C., and recommended to his superiors that they choose Huntsville as the site of the next chemical weapons manufacturing plant, which became, of course, Redstone Arsenal, with all that that has brought to Huntsville. 
So you could say that Redstone Arsenal and NASA and Mazda Toyota and the new FBI offices and Boeing and all the wonderful things that make up, you know, the trash pandas and all the, <laughs> all the wonderful things that make up Huntsville are traced back to a cup of coffee and a slice of apple pie. Well, it might be a stretch to say it all goes back to a slice of apple pie, but don't underestimate the importance of hospitality when people are making big decisions. Don't underestimate the importance of hospitality when people are making big decisions. Today I'm going to talk about radical hospitality. Five years ago, you all were involved in a church-wide discussion to discern what you believed would be your vision for the next five years, and you together discerned that one of the five pillars of your vision, this five-fold vision that you'd have, one of them would be radical hospitality. Another one is uh, relational discipleship, and we're going to talk about that one next week. But today we talk about radical hospitality, which means that, that at First Baptist Church of Huntsville, we will bend over backwards, go the second mile, pull out all the stops to make sure that everybody knows that they are welcome here, regardless of the hue of their skin or the accent of their tongues, regardless of their educational level or their rung on the social ladder, whether they have white hair or dark hair or spiked hair or no hair, whether the first thing you notice about their skin is their wrinkles or their tattoos, no matter what they did a year ago or what they did last night. Radical hospitality says that everybody will be and they will know they are welcomed here. Which brings us to Hebrews 13, verses 1 and 2. And God inspired the writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, to write, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. That's the word Philadelphia. That's verse 1. Do not forget to show hospitality, which is the word philozenia, we'll get to that, to strangers. Do not forget to show philozenia, hospitality to strangers. For by doing some, for by doing so, for by so, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, that rep reference to angels is probably a reference to Genesis 18 when Abraham uh, was entertained those folks, those three folks coming by his tent, and in fact, they were angels. Interesting, verse 1 uses the word Philadelphia, which is love for your brothers, and the word sisters is, is implied. Philadelphia, love your brothers. In verse 2, it's philozenia. Strangers, foreigners, people new to you, you might know the phrase xenophobia, which has been used a lot. Xenophobia is the fear of strangers, the fear of new people, the fear of foreigners, the fear of people who are not like us. 
Philizenia is, is the exact opposite. Philizenia, like Philadelphia says, love your brothers and your sisters. Philizenia says, and love people new to you and not like you, just like you love your brothers and your sisters. Hospitality, there's a difference, you know, between hospitality and friendliness. Friendliness implies commonality. Friendliness implies familiarity. Hospitality implies this is somebody that I don't know or that might even be different from me. A friend of mine uh, was speaking at a church. His wife uh, went to a, a church as a, to, to, to visit, and, and um, uh, she was, it was her first time there, so she was directed to a Sunday school class and told uh, that um, the Sunday school class was super friendly. Well, that sounded good. So she went to the class, got there a little bit early, sat down on the front row, and counted 35 people who came into that super friendly class, not one of which ever acknowledged her presence or even said anything like, glad you're here. Now, they were super friendly to each other, welcomed each other, patted each other on the back, shook hands, caught up from last week. They were indeed super friendly, but they didn't practice hospitality. It's possible to be a super friendly church and not practice hospitality so that if we catch up with each other and shake each other's hands, slap each other on the back and so on, but if somebody who is new among us does not feel at home, then we're super friendly maybe, but we're not hospitable. And there also is a different, there's a difference between friendliness and hospitality, and there's a difference between visitor and guest. If I'm the curator of a museum and you come to see what I have on display, then you are a visitor to my museum. If I'm in the hospital and you come to see me, then you are a visitor at the hospital. If I'm a coach and you come to, you bring your team to my stadium, then uh, you're going to be a visitor. In fact, most scoreboards say home and visitors. You're going to be a visitor to my stadium. But if you come to my house and you take your coat off and maybe even your shoes, and if you eat some of Carrie's good cooking and, and you stay so long that you look down at your watch and you say, my, my, I didn't realize it was so late, then you're not a visitor. You're my guest. And I fear that sometimes people go to church and leave feeling like a visitor. In fact, I think everybody ought to go to a new church one time a year. Send your offering here, by the way, if you do that. But, <laughs> but go to church once a year, and then after it's over, ask, did I feel like a guest or did I feel like a visitor? Radical hospitality says we will bend over backward, we'll go the second mile, we'll pull out all the stops to make sure everybody feels welcome here, regardless of the hue of their skin or the accent of their tongue, regardless of their educational level or their level on the, or their rung on the social ladder. Whether they have white hair or dark hair or spiked hair, or no hair, whether the first thing you notice about their skin is their wrinkles or their tattoos. Whatever they did a year ago and whatever they did last night, radical hospitality says everybody is welcomed 
here. I want you to look at that prayer for guests now. And I do hope, I love the fact that Elaine said, take this home with you and, um, and read it and pray for our guests. Think about people you've met. We do this, as she said, often on Monday mornings and every Tuesday morning, we go over a list of people who filled out their communication cards. We always pray this. So just follow along. I know we've prayed this uh, before, but uh, follow along as I read, and then we're going to pull over a couple of times. Dear God, remind us that these people who were guests in our place are not mere prospects to fill our pews, our committees, and our offering plates. Help us to see them as people for whom Jesus died, people with hopes, hurts, and in eternity. Heal their deepest sufferings, give them wisdom for their decisions, provide for their needs, and make yourself lovingly real to them. Help us to love our church, FBC, so deeply that we long for everyone to be part of our family, and this is important, without feeling like we are in competition with other congregations. Bless those congregations, which some of these will end up joining. We know that will happen. But if you call them here, and if they come, help us to be family to them. Make us as excited about those who can contribute little to our church as we are about those who can contribute much. And I want to pull over here for a second. Around 230 A.D., uh, there was a big, a little book, a big document written called the Didascalia Apostolorum, or the Teaching of the Apostles. This is third century. It was not a book on theology or beliefs, but rather it was a, a book on practice, how things are supposed to happen when you go to church. Two things in that document I want to, I want to mention. One was that uh, the document says that if, if the bishop, we might say pastor, is up leading worship, including preaching, and a VIP comes in, somebody important, that they're not to stop, they're to go on and make no, you know, big to-do over his or her presence. But if a poor person comes in, the document says if the bishop is preaching, he's to stop. If they're worshiping, they're to stop and make sure that the poor person feels at home. And if there's no other place for that person to sit, then they're supposed to bring the, that poor guest up to the, the bishop's chair. And I need a bigger chair, come to think of it. I need a big, I need a high back chair. But they're supposed to make sure that they didn't make any to-do over the VIPs, but that poor people, they... They did. There's another thing. They said that the the leaders of the church could have people sit by gender or by age or marital status. So they could, we could say that, you know, the ladies sit over here and the men sit over here, but they could not discriminate in seating based on social status, which meant that by design, by intention, the literate and the illiterate, the executive and the laborer, the influential and the non-influential would sit together. That's a little bit about, a little bit like what we're intending when we pray. Help us to be as excited about those who bring little as we are about those who bring much. It's, it, it's like what James said about welcoming those with rings and fancy duds and, and not welcoming the poor. He's saying that's a sin. And so we're, we, we do want to be, as, we want to be excited about everybody, where, whatever, they, whatever they bring or don't bring. Let's continue. Add to this this list many people who do not look like most of us, and I want to pull over here too. When we say people who do not look like most of us, your mind might go uh, to skin color, and that's important, and, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. But there are other ways that people don't look like us. It could be someone whose hair is just 
different or someone whose dress is, the way they dress is just different. Or it could be, and I hope you'll follow me here, it could be someone's sexual orientation and or their lifestyle choice. Now, we have a statement that says we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and that physical intimacy beyond that violates biblical standards, and I'm not revisiting that. But that document also goes on to say we welcome people. And I hope we believe what we voted on. And that is that somebody who might live a different life than, than we would be accustomed to or maybe even agree with, but we would make sure that here in the house of the king that everybody is welcome. I hope we believe what we've said we believe, and that's that everybody is welcome. I'm not talking about weddings and ordinations. I'm talking about hospitality. And it does mean people whose skin color is different. And I think we all would agree that this will be a much better church, a more beautiful church, when we have more people of color in our worship and membership and fellowship and leadership. I've never heard anybody say anything else, but that takes intentionality. There are lots of things working against us here. But to be a, a church that, where there are lots of us that don't look the same, then we have to do more than just shake people's hands. It means really valuing people. It means that, taking them to lunch and say, could I hear your life and could I hear your perspective on things? Because I'm quite certain that you've experienced things that I have not. Make sure, God, that you bring to us people who do not look like most of us. We continue, make FBC stronger numerically so that we may be better participants in your mission to the world. This is not just about being a bigger church. It's about being on mission. By the power of your spirit, this is something we cannot do on our own. Bless us with increasing numbers of transformed lives and baptismal waters that are often stirred in the name of, the, the name of Jesus, the undisputed Lord of the church. We're talking about radical hospitality. Radical hospitality means at FBC Huntsville, we will bend over backwards. We will go the, the second mile. We will pull out all the stops to make sure that everybody is welcomed here, regardless of the hue of their skin or the accent of their tongues, regardless of their educational level or their rung on the social ladder, whether they have white hair or dark hair or spiked hair, or no hair. Whether the first thing you notice about their skin is their wrinkles or their tattoos. No matter what they did a year ago, and no matter what they did last night, radical hospitality says that people will be radically welcomed here. So would you walk across the room for somebody? Would you find somebody when, you, when you're coming into the room that you don't know would you invite them to sit with you? Would you give them your business card? Give them your email address? Would you invite them to lunch? Would you ask them questions about their life? Would you, would you find somebody who's different from you and make a particular point of, of welcoming them? Not too long ago, someone told me a story the details of which I can't remember. In fact, I can't remember who told me the story. And when I get through, if you told me, 
Would you please let me know it's driving me crazy who told me this? I've been asking around, did you tell me this story? No, I didn't tell you, but somebody did. But the kind of the general version of the story, again, the details of which I don't remember, the general story is that there was a house during the Great Depression and that at this, on this house there were markings, signs, symbols that said to the hobos as they came by, the wanderers, that this is a house where you would feel welcomed. Well, when I was told that story by somebody, I said, you know, that reminds me of a story I told First Baptist Huntsville five years ago when I was the interim preacher. And, and I've decided to tell you again and to follow up on it. Jimmy Carter, in his book, An Hour Before Daylight, he was born five years before the Great Depression broke out, and so he was a little boy during the Great Depression. He said that during those days, they had a lot of, they called them tramps then, who would come by, and they often would stop, and they would cut wood, or they'd do some yard work in exchange for a sandwich or some leftover fried chicken. And um, Miss Lillian, his mom, noticed that People were stopping at their house, but they weren't stopping at the, at the houses of their neighbors. So one time, during a meal, she asked them, why is it that you come here, but you don't go to our, our neighbors' houses? With some hesitation, uh, one of the tramps, if you will, said, you wouldn't know it, but on the post that holds your mailbox, and on the posts of mailboxes all down the street, there are these signs, these secret symbols that we hobos and tramps understand, but nobody else would ever notice them. And, and the sign on your mailbox says that we are welcomed here. It doesn't read that way on the other mailboxes. After those tramps had gone, Miss Lillian, Lillian and little Jimmy went down to the mailbox, and sure enough, they'd never seen them before, but there were these carvings, these symbols, these signs. Miss Lillian said, let's not change them. I told you that story five years ago when I was the interim preacher popping in, popping off, and popping out. And I, I was preparing you, I was doing my best to prepare you for the future, for the day when some other pastor would come in and, and get to serve you. We had a hard conversation that morning. I told you before I, I said the, what I'm about to say again, I told you I love you and I, I want the best for you, and I meant it even then. But I swallowed hard, and I said, let me tell you what the marks on the mailbox of First Baptist Church of Huntsville say. I told you I'd been asking around. You know, I'd ride from the airport, and I'd go out to eat, I said, my hunch is that the marks on the mailbox of First Baptist Huntsville say that if you're well-to-do, you are welcome here. I had a friend watching by television that day, and he said, um, Whoa, I bet they got mad when you said that. No, I said, they didn't. I saw people nodding. And people came to me afterwards, and they said, we know that's true. We regret that that's true, but we understand that it's true. And that endeared you to me uh, even more because you responded, I, I thought, 
in a mature way to what could have been a hard conversation. You could have told me to mind my own business and go back to Virginia, but you didn't, and I'm grateful for that. But there's something else I want to call your attention to, and that is that, by, by the way, I, that's been confirmed, that, that I was right has been confirmed. I, Ten days ago, a lady that I had never met said, 35 years ago, we moved to Huntsville, and my husband really wanted to join First Baptist Church, and I said, honey, I'll have to buy a mink coat if we join First Baptist. This morning, after the 815 service, two people came to me and said, I didn't come to First Baptist for the longest time because I thought that was true, that if you're well-to-do, and only if you're well-to-do, you're welcomed here. But here's the good news. The signs in the mailbox are changing. I spend a lot of time outside the church, outside our circle, outside our bubble, if you will, intentionally. And I, I love Huntsville, and I've gotten to know a lot of people in Huntsville. And I've had people say, things are, things are different. Now, let me tell you, you came up with this on your own. I had never heard the phrase radical hospitality. You came up with this on your own. I didn't suggest it. I didn't feed it to you. This was completely without me. So I'm saying to you, out of way. You recognized, you recognized it. You know, the marks on the mailbox are not, maybe they're not accurate and maybe they're not fair, but they are what they are. And you decided five years ago, we're going to live into a different reality. We're going to, we can't change the marks on the mailbox, and you can't, by the way. You cannot change the perception that people have. But you and I together can change our behaviors and our attitudes, and then people on their own will change the marks on the mailbox. I think the marks on the mailbox are changing, and so I want to thank you and congratulate you. Radical hospitality says that um, as, as for us, we will bend over backwards and go the second mile and pull out all the stops to make sure that people are welcomed here and that they know they are welcomed here. It means that regardless of the, they'll be welcomed regardless of the hue of their skin or the accent of their tongue, regardless of their educational level or the rung that they occupy on the social ladder. Whether they have white hair like mine or dark hair like Carrie's. It's a miracle that she has uh, dark hair. <laughs> Sometimes I th say things and I wonder, why'd you, why'd you say that? I think, <laughs> I think this is going to be one of those times. <laughs> Where was I? Whether you have white hair or dark hair or spiked hair, or maybe the next time you see me, no hair. Whether the first thing you recognize about somebody's skin is their wrinkles or their tattoos. Whatever they did a year ago and whatever they did last night, radical hospitality says everybody's welcome here. Don't forget, 
the Russell Erskine Hotel, and that all-important piece of apple pie. And whether that's a stretch or not, know for sure, know for sure, that hospitality is really important when people are making big decisions. And lots of people who come here are making decisions that will set the course for the rest of their lives. And we invite you to a decision now. 272 is that hymn that we're going to sing. And we sing so that people will step out and come forward to be a part of our church family, to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to be here along with two other ministers, and we'd be thrilled if you'd come. If you're already a follower of Jesus, but you sense that this is where you should plant your lives, we'd be, we'd be delighted to have you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, the ministers down here would jump for joy to have you say, I'd like to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. And we sing so that you will come. Let's stand, please.